This is the Michael Wall Show. Michael is a speaker, author, and president of Wall Private Wealth. His passion is to help families live on purpose and live with purpose. And now, here's Michael Wall. Hey, everyone. Welcome into a brand new week and a brand new show, Michael Wall Show. We're going to have a great time this week talking about a lot of different things that are going to absolutely affect your life. So if you live in the world and you have any money, you want to plug in. (laughs) If you don't live in the world and you don't have any money, then don't worry about it. You know, Randy, I'll tell you, we're going to be talking about things this show that are going to be great. They're going to help people get to where they want to go because in the media, in the news, you know, we've been hearing a lot about 401ks. I know you love 401ks, Randy. Mm-hmm. It's and uh, I mean, it's your favorite, right? It's a big, it's, a, it's where I have most of my money, as yeah. a lot of people do. Yeah, a lot of people do. And we got to talk about that. What's going on and what can we do with the current conversation in the government today to change up 401ks? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk the beginning segment here about finding your purpose. You know, you hear me talk all the time about the idea of living with purpose and living on purpose. But what if you don't know what your purpose is? Maybe you lost it behind the dresser. (laughs) We're going to help you find that and uh, find out what your purpose actually is. And then the other thing we want to talk about as well is we've got a guest, Carter Williams, really, really good guy. Uh, He's with iSelect Fund. He's a CEO there talking about venture capital and why investing alternatively is often important. You know, Randy, we were able to work with higher net worth clients a lot of times throughout the country. And so we want to share some of these thoughts and ideas that have helped people be wealthy and and grow their wealth uh, on air. Uh, The other thing we want to talk about is debunk Susie Orman's thought, which is she's going to tell you when you should retire. Do you want to listen and tune into that? (laughs) I don't know about you, Randy, but I'm not a big fan of anybody telling me when I should retire and when I shouldn't retire. <laughs> I want to create the plans myself. I hear you. That's what you do for a living. Well, that's exactly that's exactly what we do. So we're going to talk about that. By the way, at any point in time, lean in, tune in. Uh, MichaelWallShow.com is uh, where you can go and find us. MichaelWallShow.com. If you're on Facebook, uh, reach out to us at uh, just search Michael Wall Show on Facebook. You'll be able to catch us there. Leave us your comments. Look at what we're doing. Last week's show, great interview. We had an interview, if you missed it, from a little bit of Sammy Hagar. So he came back to share some thoughts and ideas. And uh, next week, we got a great show coming up, by the way, too, with some famous people of a great resort here in Palm Beach. It's one of the best in the world. We're going to talk about creating a culture of excellence. But this first show... I know a lot of you, by the way, whether you're listening podcast or radio, we appreciate you tuning in. In this first segment, we want to encourage you and we want to share the idea of how to actually find your purpose, how to live with purpose, how to find that purpose. You know, a lot of times in life we're, we're living and we're seeing people live their life a lot of times through Facebook and media and TV and we say, wow, they just have a perfect life. Well, the answer is no. The reality of it is, I guess, no one has a perfect life. No one does. And everyone, I think, is continually striving to find the next thing or how they should actually be uh, living and doing what they're doing. So sometimes the question is, how do we find our purpose? You might be in a place where you're, you know, 60 years old, 70 years old. Maybe you're younger. You're 20, 30 years old. You know, you've tried some things in business. You enjoy this. You know, you enjoy that. But you don't. What should I be doing with my time? So let me give you a couple of tips on how to really dial into your purpose. First off, I believe, number one, that we are all created beings. I believe that we are created by a creator, God, and he has input into us, uh, not only within our DNA, but what in our heart and our soul really desire to do certain things. So as we live our life, you'll find yourself in life kind of drawn just naturally towards certain things. What do you love to do? You know, you've heard it said before, 
if you could do something without getting paid and you just love to do it, would you continue to do it for the rest of your life? Or let me say it this way. If you could do something that you love to do and not get paid or even get paid, uh, what gives you joy? I guess is the question that I'm trying to ask. So think about your life. What gives you joy? What do you love to do? What are you passionate about? If you didn't have to clock in at nine o'clock or eight o'clock or seven o'clock in the morning and you could do this certain thing all day long, and I'm not talking about take a nap, <laughs> okay? I'm talking about actually doing something that you enjoy. Maybe it's, maybe it's writing. Maybe it's speaking. Maybe it's working with your hands. You know, our son, uh, Cyrus, we see he loves to build things. He just naturally, every morning he wants to get up and he just wants to build Legos and all kinds of different things. He's a creator. He's an inventor in a lot of ways. Now, where will he go with that down the road? I don't know, but I know that he loves to create and invent things. I look at Justice, our other son. He loves uh, activity thing, act, active stuff. You know, this morning when I left the house, he, there he is, and he's, he's putting on his uh, rollerblades. He wants to go out and rollerblade. He loves active things. So what does that mean for him? Well, probably a desk job for him is not going to be within the wheelhouse of his passion. You know, Joel, my other son, he's in a place where he loves to encourage people. He loves to make people laugh. Will he be an entertainer or a comedian in some, some regard? I don't know. My daughter, JL, loves to draw. She loves to design. She loves to create. You could catch her almost any part of the day just sitting down and kind of drawing on something and coloring things in or creating and designing something herself as well. Now, what's interesting is her grandmother was actually a designer for Lord & Taylor. So is there some thread of that in, in, in her? So let's flip that to you. What did you enjoy doing when you were a child? Let's go back to that. What did you really love? What got you passionate? Maybe when you were in your college years, what were you passionate about? What did you like? Was it just adding value to other people? Was it giving of your time? Maybe you're to be doing something where uh, you're not making as much money as you're making now, but you're actually adding value to other people's lives, being involved in some type of a nonprofit. That's not a bad thing. We only get one shot to go through this life. So the question is, what will you do? What kind of effort will you make to make sure that you can dial into your purpose and your passion in life? And if your purpose and passion is not what you're doing right now each and every day, will you make radical changes to change into what you've called, been called to do? That's where you'll be fulfilled. That's where you'll be rejuvenated. That's where when you show up each and every day, you won't feel like it's work. We've heard it said before, if you do what you're passionate about, it never feels like you've worked one day in your life. So I want to challenge you with that. The other thing that you can do to kind of find that is talk to your parents, talk to your family, talk to your friends around you, those that really tuned into you at a young age, and just ask them, what were some of the things that you saw in my life that I really enjoyed? What were the th some of the things that just naturally came to me? And through all of those things, and, and all, all the way, by the way, while you're gathering this information, being silent. You need to gather the information and then step back and be silent and really think through, what do I really enjoy? I think that's one of the reasons people don't find their passion oftentimes, or is they're maybe living at 20 to 30% of their passion in life, and then the rest is just out of obligation, because we spend so much time being dialed into technology. Think about it. You wake up in the morning, you probably check your phone. You go to work. You have technology in front of you. 
You leave. You got technology in front of you. I mean, there's think about how many people drive today without even not even, you know, they're texting while they're driving. They, they're watching videos while they're driving. It's like, wait a minute. How did we become so bored that we in a 20, 15, 20, 30 minute car ride, we literally have to watch a video. So I think we need to ch- check ourselves and say, okay, we got to step back and shut off and evaluate those things that I mentioned earlier, which will help you dial into what you've been called to do. Now what I want to encourage you to do is take a sheet of paper and jot down those things and review those things and pray about those things and ask people closest to you about those things that you are gifted with. Oftentimes the people around us, you know, I've heard it said before from Zig, he said, and I love this, he said the idea that a lot of people in life have gone a lot farther in life than they thought they could go because other people or someone else thought they could. So make sure you have people in your corner that are encouraging you towards your gifts and abilities. That will help you not only uncover, but refine, define, sharpen your gifts and abilities. And now you'll be in a place in life where you'll be living fulfilled. It's important that we step back and think about what we're here for. We're only on this earth for a period of time. It's like a vapor. We're here today, gone tomorrow. Zig used to say, you're going to be dead a lot longer than you're going to be alive. So get it right. Let's get it right while we're here. You know, Randy, uh, now that we've found our passion and our purpose, and by the way, it takes time to do this, folks. It's not just a kind of a take one session, 30 minutes, silent, and all of a sudden you're there. But now that we found that, the next question is, you know, how can we make sure we're investing well and appropriately? And we're hearing a lot of conversation out there about the 401k changes that could come, that will come potentially. You know, what does it look like? Some people love 401ks. Some people hate 401ks. And we're going to talk coming up next segment. We're going to dive into the pros and the cons of the 401k and what is coming up and what you should be expecting and what you can do to maximize your wealth in any economy. Hang on. We'll be back right after this. Hey folks, Michael Wall here. Boy, you know, there's been a lot of disasters that have been happening in our world over the last several months, and we want to be part of the solution of actually adding value and helping improve and rebuild communities. So we've created a campaign called 3 for 30, and I want to challenge you to participate in it. Here's what it looks like. For every family that contacts our firm and says, we want a second opinion on our wealth. How can we help protect, grow, and reduce taxes on what we're doing? You might be working with someone in current, But you want to get a second opinion, get a second set of eyes. Every family that contacts us and we end up helping them, helping you maximize what you're doing with your wealth and you become a client of our firm in the next three months, we're going to give 30% of any additional revenue for new families that we're helping to disaster relief. So it gives you the ability to maximize your wealth, minimize your taxes, reduce your risk, and at the same time, help disaster relief in our world. I believe it's important to get involved in being part of the solution for the problems that we face in our culture. To take part of that, give us a ring at 888-511-WALL, 888-511-9255, or go to leanonthewall.com and request your private wealth review. Helping families grow and protect their wealth. 
This is the Michael Wall Show. And welcome back to the Michael Wall Show. Find us online. Pretty simple. MichaelWallShow.com. Well, we like to take a look at what's going on in the news and get a little comment from you, Michael, on those things. And one of the things we hear about a lot right now is tax reform. One of the things that they're talking about in tax reform is changing the 401k. And President Trump says, retirement? Nope. It's off the table. And then the next time you hear him say, well, maybe we'll negotiate it. And there are people that say, if we could get rid of the 401k the way it is right now, we could save a trillion and a half dollars. Well, there are some people in government right now who say that's a terrible idea. One of them is a congresswoman from North Dakota. Her name is Heidi Heitkamp. She says this whole thing would be a big mistake. This is going to devastate American families if we don't give people an incentive to save. And if we're looking at long-term stability for American families, we've got to deal with this retirement insecurity. All right. So, Michael, what do you think? Uh, 401k, we, we've knocked it around a little bit here and there on the show. Is it a bad thing to change the 401k in its present state? So what you're asking me is to 401k or not to 401k? <laughs> that is the question. That yes. is the question. Well, you know, Randy, I got to tell you, you know, there's been a lot of studies that have done around 401ks in general, and um, they are not, let me say it again, they are N-O-T. They are not the best investment structure for a retiree or someone moving into retirement or a worker, the everyday worker in America today. I can tell you that. And and the big reason is, is because there's so much fat inside of the 401ks. There's so much fat in relation to fees. Now, you know, there's been a lot of studies that have been done on these. And, and if you've watched out there, you know, as you're watching TV, several years ago, there was a special done on 60 Minutes and several other things talking about the eight or nine hidden fees inside of 401ks. So, you know, is it true that Americans in general have a problem with saving money and living on more than they actually spend each and every day? And the answer is yes. <laughs> the problem is, is the government has the same problem and it's worse. So, you know, it's, it's just kind of ironic to me, Randy, for the government to be telling anybody uh, what they should and shouldn't be doing. And, and, you know, most of these people that are sharing thought and idea, first off, have never created or started a business. Uh, they don't know what it takes to run a business, pay employees, pay bills, uh, pay for expenses, put money in marketing, save money at the same time. They have no idea what that looks like. No clue. They've never done it. And I don't mean that as a cut on every politician that exists out there today because there are some that do get it, but the majority don't. So when you look at 401ks, in my opinion, here's a couple of the problems that you run into. The first problem that exists is a lot of times they can be embedded with fees. Remember, a 401k structure is set up that if you've got somebody that's new to the company and they're just starting to work for a company and they're putting $50 a month or $100 a month or $150 a month or whatever the number is into that 401k, you also have people on the other side of the spectrum that might be putting in a thousand or two thousand dollars a month or more. And that 401k structure must be set up to participate and work with both investment dollar amounts. Well, you know, when people buy into investments in the 401k, you don't just put money in and then all of a sudden it just, you know, magically is invested into the stocks and mutual funds and ETFs that are in there. And there's a shared cost for those that are inside of the fund. 
So if somebody's there and they're retiring, Randy, and they got a $5 million 401k or $3 million or $2 million or whatever the number is, and you got somebody that's just starting out, well, guess who shares in the costs of selling the funds for the person that's been a senior vice president of the company and they want to sell their shares? Everybody in the fund. So it's not necessarily the most efficient way for American workers to invest their money. Now, the other thing that we find with 401ks is there's a limitation as far as what you can invest in. You know, a lot of folks out there, maybe they have a 401k plan or they've seen a 401k plan. And, you know, you might have 20 or 30 or 40 or maybe even 100 or 150, which is kind of rare, investment opportunities, whether it be ETFs, exchange-traded funds, or mutual funds, uh, or different stocks, you know, they're available inside of the 401k plan. So the point there, Randy, is is there's a limitation. They're, they're limited as far as what you can actually invest your money in. And this raises the issue that we, we kind of ran into as a country in 2008, where a lot of people basically said, listen, if I would have been able to take my money out of the 401k or if I would have been able to diversify more in the 401k because there was limited investment choices, I wouldn't have lost as much money as I did in 08. And that's where some lawsuits had started coming to the table for employees, you know, essentially suing their 401k plans and things like that because uh, they were in a place where, you know, it just wasn't conducive for them as they were there. So that that becomes a problem as well, Randy. You're listening to The Michael Wall Show. And if you want to find us online, michaelwallshow.com, talking in this segment about the 401k and some of the talk around the 401k, a lot of people that want to change it. And we kind of think that there are some ups and downs to the 401k. Michael, one of the suggestions here is that... Maybe you get 50% of your deduction up front and then 50% when you take it later on. Well, you've talked about this in the, in the past, the tax time bomb that goes on with a 401k. You're putting your money into something where you're going to have to pay taxes on it at some point in your life. And then the government looks at you and says, you have to take this money at a certain point in your life. That doesn't seem to be a really good option either for me. Well, it's not. So, Randy, you're talking about the idea of, you know, okay, uh, the government's proposing for 401ks, the idea of maybe 50%, 50%, you know, tax now, tax later. You're exactly right. When you look at the metrics and you say, okay, let's take a look at our investment structures. Let's take a look at our investment accounts. How many of our investment accounts do we have that are growing at a deferred basis? In other words, they are growing in such a way that anytime you make money, that money grows and you don't have to pay taxes on it. That's called tax deferral growth. And inside of a 401k, you have that opportunity. Inside of an IRA, you have that opportunity. Well, Randy, every 401k will roll to what's called an IRA, okay, at some point in time. You can leave it in your 401k if you want, but you know the best thing a lot of times is to roll it because you have more investment choices. The problem with those investments are, you know, we have to ask ourselves a couple questions. So what we know is today, we are at historic tax lows. Nobody likes to pay taxes. You know, but as we all know, there's two things that are guaranteed, death and taxes. So no one likes to pay taxes. I don't either. Now, I'll pay taxes uh, and pay my quote-unquote fair share. I feel a whole lot better about it if the money's actually being used for things that are adding value and moving our country forward in the way that we should go. 
But one of the things we know is taxes are part of the deal. And so when you look at growing money in a tax deferred manner, what we know is you are essentially deferring your tax bill later. And going back to what I just said a minute ago, which is are taxes at a historic low? The answer is yes, they are. Then we have to ask ourselves the next question. Well, what does it look like as far as debt currently right now on our country? Well, we got a lot of debt as a country. You know, we got we got trillions and trillions of dollars in the national debt, and then we have over a hundred trillion dollars of accumulative unfunded liabilities. Well, unfunded liabilities, folks, are costs that the government is saying that they are going to pay out in the future for needs like Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security which are all basically big IOUs. It reminds me of uh, the Dumb and Dumber movie, you know, when they got that briefcase and they say, hey, you know, they're driving up in a Lamborghini and all this stuff, whatever. And they're like, hey, here's a $250,000 IOU. You might want to keep that one. That's kind of a big deal. (laughs) So that's basically what Social Security and all these other programs are because the money's not there. Do you realize we're borrowing money each and every year and just to service the debt as a country, we spend over $600 billion a year just to service the debt. If interest rates go up just 1% or so, the, the, the amount of money that we pay as a country just to service the interest on the debt as a country that we have is over a trillion dollars. That's not to pay for anything. That's just to pay for the interest. So when we look at look at our taxes and we look at our tax rates, we got to know that they're going to go up in the future. There's no way we can outgrow our problem, especially since we have 48% of the country currently not even working. So this is a big, big problem, Randy. When we look at 401ks and the conversation that's being happening or happening right now in the government's perspective, I am a big fan of looking at alternative ideas and alternative structures to actually say, okay, let's solve this problem in a different manner. Let's maybe educate or change some of the uh, input from TV and other things that people are just drinking in each and every day and talk more and more and more about the importance of living beneath your means, talk about the importance of actually saving money, talk about the importance of taking personal responsibility and move away from the focus and the importance of, hey, the government's going to create solutions to solve your problems. You know, Michael, the other thing that I think about, and it's just from listening to you on the program here, is you talk about that conversion that you will help people do from a 401k over to a Roth because it's a much better option. And then the other part of it is the limitations on the Roth is many times that you help people work through some of those. If if a person makes more money, a high net worth client makes more money than than the Roth allows. So if we were to restructure the Roth so you could put more money into it and raise some of those particular levels, it would seem as though that would be a better use of our time and energy. Well, it would be, but, you know, Randy, here's the problem. The government is not uh, unwise. They know uh, they know that there's trillions of dollars out there that have never been taxed in deferred accounts, 401k, IRA, et cetera. They know that. And at some point in time, that money is going to be taxed. As you mentioned earlier, at 70 and a half, the age 70 and a half, whether you want to take money out or not, you must. And the reason you must is because they're going to start taxing your money using uh, mortality tables that are created conveniently by the IRS. And you have to take a certain amount of your money out each and every year. So 
the Roth is great, but the problem with the Roth is it, it creates influx of, of revenue for the government today because you're paying taxes on your current monies, your current investments today as you invest them in. So if you invest, you know, fifteen or twenty thousand dollars as a simple example, and you put it in a Roth, you're gonna pay taxes on that money as though it was income. Uh, you're not going to get a tax savings, but that money, when it goes in, it's going to grow tax deferred. Now, a lot of the folks that we're working with are typically in a situation where they don't qualify to put money in a Roth IRA because their income's too high. So that's where we get into, you know, utilizing strategic conversion because there are a lot less limitations in strategic conversion. Now, one of the things we want to be looking at when we do that, Randy, is we want to make sure we maximize conversion with the investments that actually give us the ability to convert at about a 30 or 40% lower value than at the time of conversion and still have an investment that makes a nice return. What does that actually mean? That means we're taking advantage of the tax code and we're taking advantage of certain investment structures that give us reduced valuation in the middle of the investment, but then the full valuation typically will come back later uh, after the investment deal is done. This allows us to convert and pay taxes on pennies on the dollar, basically, uh, during that conversion period, here's the here's the long and short of it, Randy. We're saving thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in taxes on our money and doing it in a way where we're doing it strategically. And now they can grow tax free, not tax deferred. You're listening to the Michael Wall Show, and when you hear some of these headlines about the changes, perhaps in the 401k, and while everybody puts up the stop sign. There certainly is another way of looking at this, and I think Michael has kind of drawn this out for you very, very well. Give us a call. It's 888-511-WALL. You want to find out more about what Michael is talking about here on the program, write the number down, 888-511-WALL, 888-511-9255. Look us up online at michaelwallshow.com. Coming up next, Carter Williams. He is the CEO of iSelect Funds. Another way that Michael is helping you go past some of these rules that we have out there that limit you in making money. We'll talk about it coming up next on The Michael Walsh Show. Hey folks, it's Michael Wall here. Just wanted to share a quick thought on how you can make a huge impact on someone else's life. As an active member of Christ Fellowship, I've had the opportunity to interact with a variety of top-notch charities. And it can be challenging sometimes to know where to get involved, either with your time, financially, or both, and then to be sure that your gifts and donations are really making a change. So I wanted to share with you an organization that has recently been ranked number one by Charity Navigator and is dramatically improving the lives of young people, Place of Hope. Place of Hope has been doing just what its name says, giving hope to young people since the mid-90s. I want to encourage you to visit placeofhope.com. Again, that's placeofhope.com to learn more and to see how you can help the cause of improving our nation one child at a time. Thanks for joining us for the Michael Wall Show. Now, back to the show. (laughs) 
And welcome back to The Michael Wall Show. Find us online at michaelwallshow.com. You've seen Michael comment on the markets and the economy on Fox Business, CNBC, Bloomberg, USA Today. We'd like to bring great guests in on the show to give us some insight on what's going on out there for you. And Michael, you have another great guest today. We do, we do. We're we're actually uh, we've been able to rein in Mr. Carter Williams. He is on the line with us. He's from I Select Fund, and you know, uh, Randy. One of the things that we always talk about is the idea of doing things differently than everybody else is doing it, right? And you know, a lot of times out there in the investment world, traditionally, you hear the idea, and from a lot of the big houses, it's you know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds. You know, position more equities, less bonds; more bonds, less equities, etc. And then there's some alternatives that have been brought to the table. You know, you've heard of non-traded and different things like that. But a world that isn't often uh, talked about is the idea of private equity or doing things alternatively, out even outside of that, into uh, direct investments. And I wanted to have Carter on because they really have a great story in how, over time, some, some great results can come about. Carter is the CEO, as I mentioned, of iSelect Funds. He's on the phone joining us now. Carter, thanks so much for taking some time to tune in. Good morning. So, Carter, tell us, you know, so somebody listening out there, obviously, you know, most of our clients, you know, we kind of have three divisions. We have the everyday client, which is a million and above, private wealth, which for our firm, wall private wealth is $25 million, uh, and then we have a pro-athlete division. So, you know, if somebody's looking at what you guys do, I select, and obviously they have some questions about that, help us understand a little bit about, from the consumer's perspective, what, how you would uh, kind of relay this to them. We invest in venture capital, which means there was a time when Mark Zuckerberg and and other people had 10 or so employees. Nobody knew who they were. They were growing their company, had a lot of promise. And what we do is we look at thousands of companies each year that look like that. We go through a depth of diligence to figure out if they make sense to invest in, and then we construct a way for investors to be able to invest in that in sort of a diversified way. So rather than just investing in one of those opportunities, they can invest and build out a portfolio of uh, 20 or more of those, well-diligenced, deeply understood, all with the opportunity to provide a, a lot of promising return. So this is something really where, so let's say you wanted to go invest in a company specific or two or three companies. You're like, I know there's ideas out there. I know there's these news companies coming out on the mat, so to speak. They're doing well, but they don't have the revenue. They don't have the size. They're not. They're not getting the eye of the media yet. But they're they're possibly going to. And obviously, not every company yep. wins. Some fail. But that's where the due diligence comes in. And I, I was looking here, and when this is one of the things that I love about kind of connecting, and that's why we've kind of partnered with you guys as a solution, uh, and looking forward to it in the future here for for clients is the idea of. You guys really perform a lot of due diligence. I'm seeing over about 120 hours of diligence at a variety of levels. Do you really just to make sure that this is something that we should be parking some of the money in? Yeah, our research found that while it seems like someone can look at an opportunity and say, boy, that's a really great deal, and I'm sure all of us, I've done it, I'm sure your clients have done this. You meet somebody, they seem like a great entrepreneur, they seem compelling, they have a great story, you make an investment, and you lose your money. What, what we really found as we dug through uh, research and our personal experience is that the trick on this type of investing is depth of diligence and diversification. So we do an extensive amount of diligence. 
we both do it from sort of an MBA kind of perspective. We have proven entrepreneurs that work around us who have built and sold companies multiple times. And then we have a whole sort of legal review. And, and what that all means is we, we make sure the deals are constructed properly. We make sure the leadership team has the resilience to get through good and bad. We make sure that the business plan is reasonably well constructed so that if they're going after a market that the exit opportunities are there and that there, there's some competition but not too much competition. And we sort of pull all that together. And, and it's sort of measured in the fact that if we look at 1,200 deals in a year, we really only invest in about, uh, on that ratio, about 10 or 12, about 3%. Yeah. So the diligence is deep. And I know there's a there's kind of a need here for this space, too. I mean, the shortfall, you know, of about eight billion a year in venture investments in the U.S. And, and I don't know, Carter, that it's necessarily because these are too risky. Certainly, there's an element of risk to this. And, you know, folks, one of the things that you got to remember anytime you invest anywhere, there is an element of risk. I mean, think about it. If you have you could go invest in a CD. And you got interest rate risk. You're in a place where you're not going to make a limited rate of return. Other things have liquidity risk. You got market risk. You have business risk. So it's really the idea of evaluating the risk. And one of the things that I like, Carter, about what you guys have done is you're not just going and saying, we're going to invest in three or four or five different opportunities. You're going to invest in, you know, 20, maybe 30, whatever it looks like, depending on the, the portfolio. And you've really brought this down to scale because this is something that, you know, venture investment structures is something that really the wealthier at times past, you know, 25, 30, 50, $100 million portfolios plus, we're looking as far as opportunities. And this is something that, you know, you can add into the slice of the pie. Now, folks, as you're listening to this, one of the things and one of the reasons I wanted to have Carter on is because for us, you know, most of the things that we're looking at doing are for accredited investors only anyways. And uh, it just makes sense to have additional diversification to minimize the risk as well as have the opportunity of the, of the upside. So, Carter, let me ask you this. Somebody coming in, somebody listening to this and they're saying, you know, I like this as an idea, investing in a variety of different companies that have been well uh, researched, well uh, studied and, you know, adding this into the pool is an opportunity. Again, uh, having, you know, 20 or so companies so there's a good, good variance and uh, the risk is diversified. Give the listeners a little bit of a feel of maybe a uh, time frame, what they can kind of expect along the ride. Because this isn't like you invest in and you're going to get distributions or dividends along the way monthly and that sort of thing. That's correct. Well, we're taking advantage here of something called illiquidity premium. And that is that there are certain investments that if you don't need the money in an immediate time frame and you're looking for high returns, that there's a bit of an arbitrage, an opportunity that if you invest in them, you will achieve that high return. The most wealthy people in the world know this. That's why they invest in venture. They take the money that they don't need to worry about for some time. They stick it there, and they get tremendously good returns. The highest performing asset class has always been venture. It often delivers in the sort of 20 30 40% type of internal rate of return. Yeah. So then the question is, is really how do you make it available to people on a, on a more consistent basis? You know, if you're super wealthy, you can write a $5 million check and invest in a venture capital fund, but not all of us have a $5 million to do that. So what we've done is we've made it so that you can do that at a, a lower 
a lower minimum. And it's part of an overall strategy. It is, you know, we talk about this being sort of a 3 or 4% of one's portfolio allocation. And, yeah. You know, very specifically, my mother held American Home Products for 60 years, hmm. a, a large position. She always liked the idea that she had American Home Products, but she never traded it. Hmm. And had it, instead she put a little bit of that in venture, we'd probably just be flying around in a G5. <laughs> uh, and a lot of people forget to do that and yeah. forget to look at their, they're more worried about the risk, Yeah, but they don't understand the opportunity cost of, of leaving money aside. So practically, this is about a five-year hold Okay. Yep. Uh, in general. I, I suppose the biggest risk is, is that rather than it being a five-year hold, it might be a seven-year hold. That's yeah. sort of the, we diversify it in a fashion that improves the performance or, or rather reduces the downside risk diligence and such. Uh, but it's about a five to seven year hold uh, and you can't get the money out in between. Uh, but on the other side, you you see a nice return. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, you're, you're giving up liquidity for, for additional opportunity. And one of the things, Carter, that we talk about a lot of times, you know, we have a lot of families that will come in just to kind of get a second opinion on their wealth and, hey, can I get a better structure? And we talk about the idea of actual planning. You know, we, we, we shared a little bit about this, Carter, last show, how there's clients where they'll come in, families, they'll come in and they want a second opinion. They have, you know, a couple million dollars here, a couple million dollars there, a couple million dollars here with, with different advisors or whatever, different firms. Uh, and there's not really any overriding plan on what they're doing. And sometimes you know, what we see that can occur there is a couple of things. One is over diversification. Uh, and the other one is no real direction for the plan. And so I love the idea of saying, okay, well, let's look at this as a position. Let's look at this as something where we're going to be committed to this. We know there's going to be opportunities. I mean, look at what, look at what Amazon is doing. I mean, Amazon, again, back in the day before, you know, et cetera, they've killed it. Facebook, same thing. You know, there's a lot of those companies out there. Not everybody's going to be in Amazon and Facebook, but you don't have to be in this space to make a lot of money. I'll give you the last word on that, though. What, what, as far as people's expectation of opportunity that exists, because it's always there, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Every major problem that we look at in the United States is, if you had the choice between going to the government, a big business, or an entrepreneur, anybody who's grown up in America will pick the entrepreneur. No one would have bought an iPhone from the federal government. Right. <laughs> but, but entrepreneurs solve problems in unexpected ways. And, right. And so then, if that's the case, it makes sense to allocate assets to it. And if it can be done in a sensible, protected way, which is what we work on at iSelect, then you increase your opportunity there. And, and, and fundamentally, the reason why I think the, the economy has not grown at the, at the rate it should be is because we've made it so difficult to make these types of investments between SEC restrictions and, mm-hmm. and wealth managers allocating to ETF only and, mm-hmm. and not thinking through this properly that, that really we've underinvested in our entrepreneurs and, and we're paying it for in multiple ways. One, we don't get in our personal portfolio Two, the economy doesn't grow. And three, we don't have better health care. And so uh, this is sort of a triple play in that regard, and we've worked hard to to get rid of the stupid risk and then really leave it. The risk here, the, the fundamental risk here, is that the entrepreneur fails 
to cure cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, when somebody's in our portfolio, it's not like they're going to go run off with the money because we've diligence set out or, or that they're not qualified to go after it. They may be wrong about how to cure cancer, but not because somebody else knew better than them. Mm-hmm. And, and once you insert those things to the economy, they can take off in huge ways. Yeah. And so you diversify. You invest in 20 of them, and two or three of them really take off. And the final part is, if you look at the data, venture has zero correlation, near zero correlation to the broader markets. Mm-hmm. My entire net worth, the bulk of my net worth was gained during the 99 crash and the 2008 crash. Mm-hmm. Because of venture firm, venture opportunities that I was part of, yeah. All right, that that's a little bit sort of sticking one's nose out there. I'm an entrepreneur. I do that. A lot of your clients are probably entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and we know that you know there's a certain resilience in those entrepreneurs. Sometimes I call them roaches. You can't kill them, right? <laughs> uh, when the markets are down, as entrepreneurs, we all know we work harder. <laughs> we yeah. take lower yeah. pay. And we blast through to get to the other side under the survivor who wins the market. Right. I mean, you're in a place where you're either going to create opportunity and, and go after it or, um, you know, you're looking for opportunity, but you're not willing to go after it. And so, you know, what happens here is, you know, I've always, Carter, been from a perspective of, you know, I don't know everything about every company that exists out there, but there's some other people in different companies that can do a great job at, that, at their company that I can't. So what if we can all play in the market share of these different companies? And that's kind of the idea of it, uh, uh, kind of diversifying well. So as you're listening out there and you're saying, you know, this is kind of an interesting conversation. I'd like to talk more. What I want you to do is I want you to reach out to us. Give us a ring. We'll sit down. We'll have a second opinion. This is really a great time as well, by the way. We got a three for 30 going on. What is that? Well, there's a lot of disaster that's happened in our world. And so in the next three months... We have decided as a firm, Wall Private Wealth, to go ahead and give uh, 30% of all profits of any new client in the next three months to either disaster relief or the charity of your choice. So best way to reach out to us and figure that out is 888-511-WALL, 888-511-9255, or just go to michaelwallshow.com, scroll down, and you can click on request my review. But Carter, hey, listen, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. I know you're going to be uh, dialing in for maybe a couple live events we do. And uh, love to have you back on the show at some point in time to continue the conversation. Thank you. Well, Carter, thanks so much for joining again. And uh, folks, if you're listening out there and you want to reach out to us again, go to michaelwallshow.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, questions, feedback. There's a little places you scroll down when you go to that site where you can actually request a review. So you're like, you know, hey, I love what you're saying and talking about there, Michael. What else is going on? We'd like a second opinion on our wealth, a private wealth review. Reach out to us. Can't guarantee we're the right fit, but we can sit down and have that conversation if you qualify. And next segment, we're going to talk about someone and talk about a conversation, let me say, about someone that you've heard before, Susie Orman. She's talking about retirement and how old you should be when you retire. She's going to help you determine your retirement age, and I'm not sure that we agree with it. So hang tight. We'll talk about that in just a few. Hey, folks, it's Michael Wall here. Just wanted to share a quick thought on how you can make a huge impact on someone else's life. As an active member of Christ Fellowship, I've had the opportunity to interact with a variety of top-notch charities. 
and it can be challenging sometimes to know where to get involved, either with your time, financially, or both, and then to be sure that your gifts and donations are really making a change. So I wanted to share with you an organization that has recently been ranked number one by Charity Navigator and is dramatically improving the lives of young people, Place of Hope. Place of Hope has been doing just what its name says, giving hope to young people since the mid-90s. I want to encourage you to visit placeofhope.com. Again, that's placeofhope.com to learn more and to see how you can help the cause of improving our nation one child at a time. Welcome back to The Michael Wall Show. Michael has appeared on several national media outlets like Fox Business, Bloomberg, and CNBC. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to The Michael Wall Show online, michaelwallshow.com. All right, Michael. She's out there again. It's Susie Orman telling us how it's going to go. And this time she says in Money Magazine, you should retire at age 70. And she says not one year sooner. That's what she said. She says that it's a whole lot easier to fund a 15-year retirement than it is a 20 or a 30-year retirement. And that I can kind of agree with. But when somebody walks into your office, Michael, and they're 55 years old and you say, you need to work till you're 70 because that's what Susie Orman says. I don't like that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I got to be honest with you, Randy. You know, uh, so Susie's out there saying what you just said there. Let's, you should retire at 70. Um, you know, listen, Susie Orman, she does her thing. She's got her audience and that's fine. A lot of people love her. A lot of people don't like her. Um, you know, take, take it, you know, take what you will. Here's what I can tell you. You know, w- one of the good things about Susie is she talks about the idea of planning. Okay. So I think if you, if you ask me anything about these people, you know, you got the Dave Ramsey's out there. Uh, he does a lot of good in talking about get out of debt, get out of debt, get out of debt. That's a good thing. He needs to stay in his lane talking about stay out of debt, not move into other lanes because his focus is helping families get out of debt. Susie, one of the things that I see with Susie, do I agree with everything that Susie Orman says? No. Uh, Does Susie Orman oftentimes do different investment strategies than she actually recommends uh, to clients? Uh, Sometimes, yes. Uh, But the biggest thing that I see with her is she's helping people think about things and actually say, okay, well, what should I do here? Now, do I agree with the fact that she says, hey, you should wait and retire at 70 because it's easier to create a plan for 15 years of retirement than it is for 30? Do I agree with that? The answer is no. Now, if you want to continue to work until you're 70, then that's your choice. That's your prerogative. You know, we have a family that we work with uh, actually in the uh, uh, right outside of D.C. And one of the things we had the conversation, she's always saying, hey, I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire. And now he's telling him, hey, listen, I, you've told me that like three or four times now. You get different jobs. You're doing consulting. You're not going to retire. You love to work. Some people just flat out love to work. Because that's where they find their purpose. You know, we talked about the beginning of the show, what is your purpose in life? Sometimes that comes through the conduit of what you're doing work-wise. So is it healthy to retire? Not always. Sometimes when you retire, you're in a place where, you know, you pass away early because you, you've lost your purpose and vision for your life and, you know, and, and all of these things. So, but the idea of somebody actually telling you, like Susie's saying, we're gonna, I'm going to tell you, you should actually continue to work until you're 70 that kind of rubs me the wrong way. I want to be the kind of guy that says, listen, you live out your purpose. You live out your passion. You do what you're called to do. And if you want to retire at 55, fine, retire at 55. 
Now, if you're retiring at 55 and you got 5 million, 10 million, 20 million, 100 million plus, whatever, uh, then you know you can probably retire and live life and do your thing. If you're retiring at 55 and you got four or $500,000, and you're going to struggle. You're not going to live, depending on what your lifestyle looks like, you're not going to live the kind of retirement you want to live. So I think you got to ask yourself the question, Randy, when you retire, when you want to retire, what kind of life do I want to live, number one? What kind of lifestyle do I want to have, number two? And number three, what am I going to do with my time so I can continue to add more value? A lot of people are in a place where they have worked all these years, they've accumulated all this knowledge in a particular industry, and so now just to kind of throw it away doesn't make sense. They can actually, you know, reach back into the confines of the newer workers coming up and, and actually add a lot of value, uh, maybe to younger companies or different things like that, and do it from a perspective of consulting. And now they have freedom. So maybe they're not working 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week or 60 hours a week, but they're actually working when they want and they're consulting. And oftentimes when you consult, you can command a higher fee. So that's one of the processes when, when, when families come in and we sit down with them, you know, we're kind of the quarterback for the families we work with and helping them through the process of, okay, what should we do with our life? Where should we invest? How should we create a portfolio that's going to help us protect, grow, and reduce taxes on our wealth in any economy while, you know, making sure we participate in looking at estate planning, legacy planning, charity planning, all of these different things. But now that we're retired, we've sold a business, uh, we, we've retired from a company, you know, whatever that may be, maybe we've inherited a bunch of money and we're, we're now uh, overseeing this trust, whatever that may be, or we've retired from a sport. It, now what? Because I think it's not necessarily just retirement and how much money do we have to live or the way we want to live, although that needs to be evaluated. We also have to evaluate, I think, what are we going to do with our time? And that's a really, really important question that a lot of people are just not talking about. You know, Michael, you bring up a great point, and that is that when you retire, you step away from a career. But you know what? What is your job now? Your job, whether you like it or not, whether you're getting help for it or not, your job is to manage that money that you've made your whole life. That's your job now. Then I'm not saying that you should sit in front of a desk with four screens looking at ups and downs and charts and mutual funds and, and stocks and bonds and all the things that we talk about on this show. But your job is to put somebody in place so that that money is managed. But that really does become your job in your retirement is making that money do what you want it to do. Well, that's why, Randy, you know, I talk a lot about the idea of uh, people, families, et cetera, are their own CEO. You are the CEO of your company. Whatever your investments are, whatever they, you know, whatever the value is, whatever the portfolio is, you're the CEO of that company and you need to have the right people in your corner to help you with that. And I think, I think, again, I think, you know, putting together a plan matters. It's important. It's necessary to be a good steward of what we've been blessed with. But at the end of the day, you know, you don't die. Your heart, your soul doesn't die at retirement or it shouldn't. You know, really it should become more, it should come more alive saying, now I'm really going to make sure I spend the time seeking out what I'm passionate about. And Randy, what's interesting is, is when we sit down with families, you know, to kind of give them a second opinion on their wealth, what tends to come out? Because creating a plan is, is really pretty simple. 
I mean, it takes a lot of questions, a lot of time. There's a lot of input. We certainly care about what we're doing and we bring strategies to the table a lot of times uh, that people haven't heard of. We utilize and have a relationship with Clarify. We solicit with and through them. And, and, and there's a lot of investment structures that we bring into the table through them that, you know, that constitutes a well-rounded but yet focused plan. But a lot of the conversation is about my life. What do I do now? What do I do with my time? You know, do we just go out every day and play golf or take the boat out or, you know, uh, go have, uh, you know, drinks in the yacht and just hang out? And is that all we do? Or do we really focus on what should we do now? Maybe giving back to the grandkids, taking the grandkids out on camping trips and, you know, teaching and instilling into the grandkids. You know, a lot of people today talking about all this younger generation and they whatever. Well, listen, if you don't like the younger generation, (laughs) then be a part of the solution to the younger generation, get involved in their life. You know, and that's the thing, Randy, most people have spent most of their time working in business and doing things and they haven't been home for their family. They haven't been home for their grandkids. And yet they complain about the younger generation. So let's use this time to actually instill and, and encourage and don't go in judgmental, go in and say, hey, listen, I just want to hang with you and spend time. And over the time of hanging and spending time, you earn the right for them to listen to what you're saying. I didn't mean to get into that, but it's just that for some reason hit me, Randy, and I wanted to share that because I know we're coming close to the end of the show this week. Well, hey, folks, I want to thank you again for tuning in uh, to the show. If you missed the first parts of the show where we talked about living on purpose or the interview with Carter Williams or a variety of other things, go to michaelwallshow.com and click the subscribe. Make sure you can get the show each and every week. But I hope you got some value. A lot of great information Listen to it, dial in, listen on your way to work, listen on your way home, and uh, really be in a place that you internalize. Reach out to us on the show, though. We'd love to hear your thoughts and comments. Again, michaelwallshow.com. Here is the challenge, as we do each and every week. Here is to living with purpose and living on purpose. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to The Michael Wall Show. To schedule your own personal wealth review, call 888-511-WALL. That's 888-511-9255. To find out more about Michael and the team at Wall Private Wealth, head to michaelwallshow.com. By contacting us, we'll review aspects of your retirement portfolio to include suggestions about how to best utilize stocks, bonds, life insurance, annuities, and other financial products, or if changing management styles is appropriate for your specific needs and objectives. Michael Wall is an investment advisor representative of Wall Private Wealth LLC, a registered investment advisor, and solicitation offered through Clarify Advisory Network, an SEC registered investment advisor. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than what originally invested. Michael Wall is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Insurance and annuities offered through Wall Financial Group, Inc.